He is the provider of all our needs. He knows of every situation before you ever face it. He has provided the answer for that situation. I believe that with my whole heart tonight. Let's talk to him. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful atmosphere, Lord, that we feel here in this place. And Lord, we know, Lord, that you're in our midst tonight, Lord, because you promised to be. You promised you would be here. You promised to never leave us or forsake us. Lord, and we know tonight that there's nothing I can say that would help a single person in this building. Lord, but if you'll come and be the speaker tonight, and you'll take over in this situation. And Lord, take these notes and things. Lord, you laid this thought on my heart last night, and it just was rolling through me. And I just, Lord, I just pray that I'll be able to deliver it the way that you intended it to be delivered. Lord, that you just take complete control now and open up every heart to receive and help me to deliver, Lord, by getting out the way completely. We love you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are an awesome God. We thank you that you are so good to us, Lord, and so merciful and so loving. Lord, and we are just here to praise your name because you deserve it, Father. We ask you now, Lord, to bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God tonight? And if you'll open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, we'll get directly into the word. Luke, the 19th chapter. And the first verse, we're going to read down through the, the 10th verse. Last night, I was just, uh, the way the Lord works, just, just drawn to this, to this scripture reading. And as I began to read it, just some things began to come out of it that I really enjoyed and spoke to my heart. And I was telling the guys in the back, I said, you probably hadn't heard about Zacchaeus since Sunday school, so let's review him. <laughs> Luke 19 and 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, and he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so, for so much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. You may have your seats tonight. I'm so grateful that he came to seek and to save that which was lost because I was right there in that number. And I'm, and I'm grateful tonight that he came to seek and, and, and to save. And What a wonderful statement he makes there in verse 9. This day is salvation come to this house. I'm thankful that he's still seeking and he's still searching and he's still bringing salvation to the house of those that will welcome him and there's so many wonderful things here in this scripture reading and, and so many lessons actually that we can learn from Zacchaeus. And this may be a little bit like a lesson. There was just some things in there that I really enjoyed. And what we find is that like with all men, 
and all women, Zacchaeus faces obstacles and hindrances in his quest to see Jesus. And we're going to speak about those obstacles and things tonight. And if I was to give this a title, I would call it Just Beyond the Press. Just Beyond the Press. And life is a constant struggle. And in life, we have constant battles. And it seems like battle, one battle, they lead you directly into your next battle. And then that battle leads you directly into your next battle. And it seems like just when things are beginning to settle down and you feel like you've got a hold on things and, and you've got a time to breathe for just a minute, you better look out. Because it's in that moment when the next battle's coming and the next wave is coming and the next blow is coming. And, and I'm sure that's how the disciples must have felt that night as they rode up one wave and down the next wave, just sure that this would be the last one. And this one's going to tip the boat, but we made it over that wave. And you think you have a minute to breathe, and here comes the next wave. And it's just, it's just one thing after another. And they'd make it through one just for the next wave to slam and, and swamp their boat. But see, in that situation that night, they had, a, they had a captain with them that was in the boat. And this captain was more than a normal man, but this captain knew the sea because he had created the sea. He was the creator and he was the master of the sea and therefore he was the master of the situation that they currently was facing. And because of that, they had nothing to fear. And today, unlike those on the sea of life with no captain and unlike those that think their ship is unsinkable or unlike those that have believed what they have built is, is good enough to see them through, unlike those that have no hope tonight on the sea of life, we have a captain. And this captain is the creator. He is the almighty. He is the master of the wind. And therefore, he is the master of your situation. And because of that, no matter the battle, it may be one battle after another after another. But because of who our captain is, it will be one victory after another victory after another victory after another victory. Wave after wave and war after war, there will be victory upon victory time after time after time. Because our captain is in the boat. Tonight, I'd like to remind you that Jesus is in the boat with us, no matter what we're facing and no matter where we're standing. I would like to remind you tonight, we win. I would like to remind you again that regardless of where you're at and what situation you're facing tonight, you are a winner. I think we should take a moment tonight and remind the devil who the winners are. That's us tonight. And I would also like to remind him who the loser is, and that's him tonight. I think it's important that we all find our place. So tonight, winners take your place and loser take your place. And we are here to stand and remind you that we serve a mighty captain. He is the master of the sea. He is the master of circumstances. And tonight he's in this boat, so we have nothing to fear. Hallelujah. There are strong winds blowing, no doubt. Every negative thing is coming against us. Storms are rising, and this bride is being attacked on every hand. But I'd once again like to declare it's going to take a stronger wind than this. It's going to take a stronger wind than this to keep me from my promises because tonight I am determined that no matter who and no matter what and no matter what comes between me and the Lord, I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get to him. I'm going to pass through, push through, pull through. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get through the press because just on the other side of the press is my Lord Jesus. Just on the other side of the obstacle is my Lord Jesus. Healing is there. Salvation is there. Deliverance is there. Victory is there and it's just on the other side of the press I am determined tonight nothing's gonna stop me from getting there nothing's gonna stop me short but I'm gonna push through tonight 
this account that we're reading here in Luke, what we read is the final trip of Jesus' life. This is the same trip through Jericho where blind Bartimaeus is healed. This is leading up to the final week of his life. It's in this very chapter, in chapter 19, if we go just a little further, that we read of his entry into Jerusalem where they would shout and praise him with loud voices as he rides in on the colt, spreading their garments out in front of him. And, and here he is only a few days before this in his entire mind, Brother Brandon would tell us, is already set on Calvary. The weight of your sins and my sins is already upon his shoulders. And yet, what I love about this is, you know, many times we look around and we think this is the end and so much is going on and so much is happening and he's preparing to come back. He, he must not have time to think about you and me. Now, here's an example right here. Right here at the end time, he hasn't forgot you. He hasn't forgot your lost loved ones. He hasn't forgot your situation. Right here with his mindset on Calvary, he comes to Zacchaeus and he says, come on down because I hadn't forgot about you. Come on down because you was willing to do whatever it took. Come on down because today I'm going to your house. I'm telling you tonight on a Wednesday night, if you're willing to do whatever it takes in this darkness, in this time, if you'll push through, he'll come to your house tonight. He'll come to your pew tonight. He'll deal with your situation situation tonight if you're willing to do whatever it takes and it's right here at the end of his life his mind is set on calvary and this man named zacchaeus begins to desire to see this jesus for himself now these things don't happen by accident it isn't happenstance when when someone begins to desire god Oh, it's because this person said this and this person said that. I don't know what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on. When something starts changing in a person's heart, our God is on the move. God is moving in that situation. And, and, and Brother Branham would say that, that his wife had been praying for him. He says she'd been a believer on the Lord Jesus. She'd been praying for her husband, a businessman of the city, to become a follower of the Lord Jesus. And you know, conviction can make you very restless. It does that. And so a good praying wife or mother can do more for the kingdom of God on her knees at home than the preacher can do on the platform. Listen, don't ever let him convince you to stop praying. Don't ever let him convince you to give up because it don't seem like nothing's happening. And I've been praying and I've been praying. There's a reason he tries to get you to stop. It's because he recognizes how powerful that prayer really is. He recognizes the damage you can do with that more than the preacher can do on the platform. If you'll stay on your knees for mama, stay on your knees for daddy, stay on your knees for that lost loved one. Don't give up right now, but you keep praying. You keep believing. You keep standing in this time. Oh, I'm not seeing anything happening right now. Well, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. They're still doing this. My situation just like that. Don't let that be your testimony. But you testify of the finished work. Oh, yes, he's coming home. Oh, yes, daddy's saved. Oh, yes, I'm healed. You say, I don't want to lie. I don't want to tell a lie. How can the word of God be a lie? The word of God says you're healed. The word of God says the promise is theirs. The word of God says the prodigals are coming home. It can't be a lie if it's in the word. Just testify of the word. Things are changing. Things are happening. People are coming home. The prodigals are returning. Deliverance is mine. Salvation is mine. Just testify the word. It can't be a lie. We got to get our eyes 
off the press. Get your eyes off of the situation. Get your eyes off of the current condition. Because these are the things that are put there to hinder you. These are the things that are put there to stop you. The press is the hindrances and the hardships and the battles that try to keep you from coming to your full inheritance. They try to keep you from your encounter. They try to keep you from your moment in the presence of God. But it's just beyond the press. It's just beyond the press. Just beyond those lies. Just beyond those fears. That's where Jesus is. That's where he's standing there with his hands held out saying, come on, push through. Push through. You can do it. There's your deliverance. There's your salvation. There's the answer to your prayers. But you have to be willing to go beyond the press. Verse 1 says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, almost always publicans and sinners are put together in the same sentence. So he was the chiefest of sinners. Anybody can be saved. The God I serve is so full of mercy and grace. You say, well, how do you know anybody can be saved? Who are you going to point to? Right here. Right here. I was the chiefest of sinners. And it says that he was a publican or a tax collector. And not just any old tax collector, but he was chief. In other words, he was the boss of the tax collectors. And Jericho was known for the trade and the selling, selling of balsam. It, uh, it, even the word balm, when it speaks of like the balm of Gilead, it would be come back to this plant. And it was known throughout the ancient world for its medicinal use and its rare perfumes. And it was the most economic, economically significant plant of all ancient times. So what are you trying to tell me? He was rich, rich. He wasn't like kind of rich. He was rich, rich. He was extremely wealthy and extremely hated. Collecting taxes for the Roman Empire and, and he would take a profit, uh, take money off the top already above and beyond the taxes in order to gain wealth from the hardship of his own people. Luke 19 and 3 says, and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press. In other words, there was hindrances there. There was something keeping him from seeing Jesus. And it says, because he was of little stature. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say he was a midget. That's not politically correct, I don't think. I don't know what the proper word is. But my point is this. If it was significant enough to be recorded in Scripture, this wasn't just a short person. You understand what I'm saying? There was a lot of people in the Bible that was five, six. That was just regular that was regular, very normal. This was small. He had a lot. <laughs> he had for real little man syndrome. For real, for real. But it was enough that it was recorded in the scripture. And he had lots of things that tried to hinder him that day. His stature being one of them, but his position being another. 
who he was in the community. And, and he was so proud of what he had done, overcoming all this and, and fighting through the fact that he was different from everybody else to accomplish all that he had accomplished. And now, am I going to be willing to give those things up to be associated as a holy roller, to be associated with one that believed in the moving of the spirit or associated with this miracle worker, associated with these things? Am I willing to do that? And there, there was so many things hindering him in his life. Things that he had battled against and warred against. Complexes that he had built up over time. You know, sometimes we throw off on the word complexes. Like, oh, well, they just have complexes. Because that may not be your battle. That may not be a real thing in your heart. Mind battles may not be the issue you deal with. That may not be what hinders you. But to those in the battle, it is extremely real. To those that is their battle, it is just as big a deal and as difficult to trial as whatever your battle is that you're facing in life. And he's having to fight these things and he's having to fight these struggles and he can't see because of the press. And, and like I said, what his battle was may not have been your battle. In other words, I wouldn't have had a problem seeing that day. I would have been okay. The tall guy standing there didn't have a problem seeing Jesus. The, the, the tall guy, the press... Didn't hinder him. That wasn't an issue to him. It wasn't an issue at all for him to see Jesus. It wasn't his battle. But to Zacchaeus, because of the press, he couldn't see Jesus. But I'd like to point out that's not the whole thing. That's not the issue. We go home to verse 4. And I'd like to show you that the press didn't stop him from seeing Jesus. The hindrances didn't stop him. The battles didn't stop him. The complexes didn't stop him. All those things around him didn't stop him. It says he ran before. Apparently it's okay to run if you're trying to get to Jesus. He ran before. And he climbed up a tree. Oh, that's a little bit fanatical. It's not fanatical when you're just trying to see Jesus. He just wanted to get to Jesus. I got to know it for myself. It's the closing of time. It's the closing of the Jewish dispensation. He's on his way to Calvary. I must see Jesus. And he runs before and he climbs into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. I'm so thankful tonight that there's something on the inside of us that don't allow circumstances to make us quit. When others would quit, when others would fall away, when symptoms are out of control and people are saying it's no use, it's no hope. But on the inside of a believer, something rises up and says, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to find a way to him. I'm going to make it there no matter what I have to do. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back up. Oh, what a blessed desire that is to see Jesus. What a blessed desire is no matter what it is, no matter where you're at tonight, don't ever let that desire to see Jesus and to be in his presence. Don't ever let that desire be quenched. Don't ever let that desire to be put out for more of him, for a refilling of the Holy Ghost, for an outpouring of his spirit. I say tonight, I need to see Jesus. Tonight, I need more of God. Whatever it takes, I must see Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, there was others there that was tall and could see him just fine and yet didn't have a desire to. Oh, and sometimes the complexes get to us. Well, I don't measure up. I'm just not enough. What do I have to offer? I fall short. I don't have gifts. Oh, people might say something about me. That's all just part of the press. That's all just part of the press. Listen, there's many, many Saul's out there that are head and shoulders above the rest. There's many Saul's out there that looked apart 
and they act the part, but they won't go down in the valley. Oh, they look the part and they're tall and they can and they can see everything, but they can't push past the press. They're not willing to stand before a giant. They're tall, they're tall, they got it all together. They they seem to have everything. They seem to have a happy home and they seem to have a good job and, and everything in their family seems to be working out. And you say, Well, what do I have? You have a hunger. You have a desire. I won't be stopped. I won't let a giant stay in my valley. I'm going to get to Jesus. That's my promise. That's my kids. Oh, Saul may look the part, but who's in the valley fighting the giant tonight? Who's standing up against their complexes? Who's overcoming fear? Who's pushing past doubt? Who's pushing past unbelief? You are tonight. It's within you. It rises up. I must get to Jesus. I can't be stopped. I won't be stopped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get what I have need of. It doesn't matter if I got to get a ladder and get way up high or I got to get down on my knees and get way down low. It don't matter if I got to run, if I got to jump, if I got to shout, if I got to snot on the altar or I got to climb a sycamore tree. Tonight, I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get what I have need of because he's life to me. He's everything to me. Hallelujah. He's right there just beyond the press. I believe that a sincere heart will not be stopped. And they'll get to Jesus. Brother Brown says that the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ proves that he's here among us, then press till you get to him. Like the little woman with the blood issue and all the different things that taken place and all the adversaries in her way, she just pressed right on through till she touched him. If this church tonight would do the same thing, would press through every scale of unbelief, would lock swords with the devil and his unbelief and press through to know that you're a child of God and an heir to these things and Jesus Christ standing present to show you that he's with you to keep his word. Oh, be perseverant. Don't you let nothing stand in your way. He says, I'm just wondering if faith really anchors, could anything stand in your way? Oh, come on, let faith anchor tonight. I know I'm healed. I know I'm saved. I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I know the rapture's for me. The body change is mine. My children are mine. Let those things anchor and then do whatever it takes to get to them. Push through, run over, run through. But whatever you do, don't let yourself be stopped. He says, oh, it's true. She had many hindrances, but her faith didn't have any hindrance. You might have some. He says, I have plenty of them. A lot of hindrances. But about your faith, that's the thing. If you can't be persistent, he says, if you can't be persistent, if you're going to let everything hinder you, he says, now physically you might feel bad. Physically you might not feel well. And otherwise, you might not feel like going to church. You might not feel like doing anything. But your faith don't have no hindrance. It moves right on anyhow. I believe I'm speaking to a group of people who's willing and ready to move right on anyhow. Amen. That you're willing to lay your pride aside. That, that, you're, that you're willing to lay your fear aside. That you're willing to fight through the press tonight. And when you do that, I'll make you a promise. He will meet your need. When you're willing to fight through and press through. But listen, tonight he wants a people willing to fight. 
not a people that are turned back because, oh, there's a press. Oh, there's something in the way. Oh, this isn't going exactly how I thought it would go. No, that's the time that a believer shows his true colors. That's the time that a believer buckles down and puts on the armor and presses in harder than ever before and says, I'm going to get to Jesus tonight. I'm a believer. I'm a son of God. I have benefits, and I'm going to go take hold of those tonight. Many times we've prayed and we've prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. You've called for your family and it seems Jesus just went further. Fear whispers, just give up. Doubt says, I told you it wouldn't work. But something deep down on the inside says, even now, Lord. Even now, Lord Jesus. I tell you tonight, just stay with that right there, even now. Stay right with that, even now. Your flesh says, stop. Your symptom says stop, but your faith says even now. Your faith says forward. Your faith says onward. Your faith says upward. Even now, Lord, I'm going to keep going forward. Even now, I'm going to keep climbing because I'm going to get to Jesus. i got to get to Jesus. He's the resource. He's the one I have need of. I will have life. Brother Branham says, but this one thing remember this morning. Seek life. He says, pursue after it. Thirst for it. Just keep reaching for it. This doesn't sound like something you just try and give up on. He says, pursue for it. Thirst for it. Reach for it. Just keep reaching for it. Don't let nothing stand in your way. Seek for it. What's he saying? Seek for life. Seek for a living God, not some dead creed, not some formal church, not just some teachings. But he's saying, seek life with all of your heart. We talk about different presses and hindrances. A lot of them come against us as individuals. A lot of them come against the bride collectively. There's a real press right now trying to squeeze the life out of the bride of Christ. Trying to formalize churches and and, and trying to just squeeze the life down. Trying to keep life from springing forth. Brother Branham said, seek life. Pursue life. Reach for life. Keep reaching for life. But it's trying to keep people from, 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 from life coming forth. Trying to keep them from getting to Jesus. Trying to keep them from trying to keep Jesus from being born, trying to keep him from being born in the heart of those that are seeking him. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to stop birth. Brother Brown says, what are they afraid of? He says the new birth. That's the reason we got grandchildren in the church. They're afraid of new birth. Afraid of the Holy Ghost. Afraid of the power of God. So what you run into, and this may sound harsh, but what they're doing is they're running spiritual abortion clinics. Trying to keep life from coming forth. Spiritual abortion clinic, they set up a press where they take the altar calls out of the church. They twist quotes around. They remove worship and spirit and truth. They kill the atmosphere that allows the birth to take place. So I ask you this, what life is it that we're supposed to bring forth? What life is it that we're supposed to manifest? Who is it? It's the life of Christ. And they're aborting the very life of Christ before it can come forth in people's life. Christ is attacked in the womb. The anointing is attacked. It kills it before it can be manifested. It kills it before that life can come out of you. That's that's dark, brother, and it is dark, but let me shine a little light here. That life will never, never, never be stopped 
They can't stop it, but it's still shining forth. I'll stand here and scream it. And once again, square my shoulders back and say, fight for life. Fight for life. Fight for the Holy Ghost. Fight for the movement of the Spirit. Fight for the new birth. We got to get to Jesus. We got to fight for it tonight. Oh, you can't keep an eagle caged up forever. You can't keep them there. You keep putting down life and killing life. And finally, there's a thirst on the inside of them. That seed gene, you can't keep it dead forever. Oh, but they're going to come out of that. They're going to push through. They're going to get to the other side of the press where life is. They can't help but look to the supernatural. Brother Brown says, if a man is born of the spirit of God, he believes in the supernatural. He can't help it because he's a son of God. And that's the reason tonight we got so many cold, old, cold, formal, indifferent, God-forsaken, backslidden churches because men and women are not born of the spirit of God. They have no taste of God. They don't know nothing about God. And all they know is theology. And that's the reason you can't get them to believe a thing that's exactly right. Many of you here tonight wanting more freedom, desiring another outpouring, believing for for more and wanting a greater experience or, or wanting a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you that it's here for you. I'm telling you that, it, that it's flowing, that there's a wellspring of it, and you can have whatever you desire to have, and it's just beyond the press. There's a part in this you have to play. Zacchaeus could have stood there behind that the whole time, and his desire could have been to see Jesus. An honest desire and stand there going, I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him. But if he stood right there saying, I want to see him, he would have never seen him. There was something he had to do. There was a step he had to take. He had to step out of his pew. He had to step out of his comfort zone. He had to step on past, I just want to see him. And he had to get to the place of, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to go wherever I have to go. But whatever it takes, I will see Jesus. I'm going to get to him. I'm going to do my part to see Jesus tonight. You have to be willing to push through. Your nature. Sometimes I, I do. I honestly get, get tickled at people that say, well, you know, that's just not my nature to do those things. And then Sister Lana's not here tonight. She's sick, so I can use her. It won't embarrass her. And I'm thinking, do you even know Sister Alana? If you're thinking that the people that do the things they do is because that's how their nature is. Because she just loves to be in front of everybody really loud. Do you even know the people you go to church with? I'm just saying. I mean, I know some of us are more comfortable in front of people than others. But sometimes the Spirit makes you do things. I don't care how comfortable you are around people. It ain't your nature to do it. They pushed past their nature. They said, Lord, I'm willing to worship you however you're asking me to worship you. No matter how foolish I look to other people, how silly they think. If it pleases you, Lord, if it's what it takes to get to you, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to worship. That's how I'm going to act. You know, I've never one time interpreted tongues. But every time tongues come forth, I bow my head and I say, Lord, I'm willing. 
I'll do it if you choose. Are you patting yourself on the back? Nope, I'm just telling you in those moments, that would be very difficult to do. But are we willing to do whatever it takes for the spirit to have his way? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? Zacchaeus was, and because of that, he said, I'm coming to your house today. And I think that's what we all desire, not as a visitation from the Lord. So we have to push through our nature, push past our pride, push past our fears, and just let God move. Because you're amongst believers, people who love to see God manifested. People who love to see his presence poured out. Just push that thought aside of what will people think. The people will rejoice with you. The people will shout with you. The people will be set free just like all the Israelites on the hill when David killed the giant. And he did something that they all wanted to do themselves. And you know what it allowed them to do? It allowed them to come into the valley. It allowed them to get some freedom. It allowed them to have some courage. You say, people are going to talk about me. That's right. We sure are. You see him kill that giant. You see him take down that Philistine. It gave me courage. It allowed me to do it. It gave me strength. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to say, how wonderful, how mighty is our God. How great are his exploits. How mighty is his name. Oh, yes. Willing to push past Mark 2 and 1. A few examples in the scriptures that you're all familiar with. And again, he entered into Capernaum. And after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together. Insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There was so much in their way that they could have easily said, this isn't your day, buddy. Hey, I promise there'll be another service. He ain't going nowhere. Sunday's coming. Then after that, Wednesday's coming. There'll be another opportunity for us to get you into his presence. But today you had a bad day. Today a lot of things at work didn't go the way you wanted them to. So you can just skip out on your blessing tonight. Today you got a report you didn't like to hear so you can just skip out on your blessing tonight. There was so much in their way that could have turned them around and let them go home going, well, that was just a pretty good service. But they came determined that they were going to get to Jesus no matter what it took, no matter how they went through, no matter what door, window, or roof they had to go through. They were going to get their friend to Jesus. There was so much in their way, and it seems like there's so much in our way sometimes as the church of the living God, the bride of Christ, so many things rising up, so many hindrances, so many things trying to stop us from taking a rapture, stopping us from coming to our full potential as the bride of Jesus Christ. But sometimes I think we ought to just tear the roof off the place. Sometimes I think we ought to get a little bit unconventional sometimes and say, I don't matter what takes place tonight. I'm getting to Jesus. If we got to tear the roof off the place, whatever it takes, 
tonight. I'm going to get in the presence of Almighty God tonight. And I'd like to warn people out there that are trying to keep people outside. They're trying to keep them from getting in the presence of God. They're trying to keep them from getting through the door. Trying to keep them from getting to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You better be careful because one of these days they're going to tear the roof off the place. And you're going to be left with it. And they're going to leave shouting and singing and dancing and healed and delivered and free. And you're going to be left with a hole in the roof. I say just let them in. Let them get to Jesus. Let them get to their Savior, to the life spring. They just want to get to Jesus. just want to get to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. There was a great press, but just beyond the press was the healing. Just beyond the press was their deliverance. Because just beyond your press is Jesus. Prophet God says, If the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ proves that he's here among us, then press till you get to him. Mark 5, 21. That's a story you're all so familiar with. People willing to fight, willing to press. It says, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now from this point on, we're going to be talking about the certain woman in this story. But let it not be forgotten That Jairus himself had gone beyond the press. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He had everything to lose. But because he was willing to do so, his daughter lived. Sometimes we got to be willing to make a move that our kids will live. We got to be willing to do things that our children will survive. They're laying at the point of death. He's a deacon in a church. He's the ruler of a synagogue. He's a preacher somewhere. He said, I don't care. I give all that up. I got to get to Jesus. Jesus, I'm willing to go beyond. I'm willing to do whatever. I just want my kid to live. I say tonight, let our children live. Let our children live. Lord Jesus, come to my house. My children are going to live. And because he made the sacrifice, his daughter lived. And it says in verse 25, And a certain woman which had a blood issue 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians had spent all that she had. It was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind And touched his garment. For she said if I may but touch his clothes. I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself. That virtue had gone out of him. Turned him about in the press and said. Who touched my clothes. It's another example of one who. Who had plenty of excuses. And reasons why this ain't my time. Reasons why and fears and worries that could have stopped her and hindered her. Everyone 
that she had ever known had failed her or abandoned her. Everyone had turned their backs on her. Everyone told her to wait. Everyone said this is for another day. Everyone says she don't have to be so fanatical to get this touch. But she was so desperate. It reminds me so much of, of that little woman, Brother Tim, there in Mexico with the dead baby. She didn't care what they said about church order. I want my kid to live. She said she was going through their legs, climbing over their shoulders, basically walking on people's shoulders. Said there was no stopping her. So they had dozens of ushers down there and they couldn't stop her. I'm telling you, when you get desperate enough, there ain't no amount of church order or Baptist theology going to stop you from getting to Jesus. When you realize I got to have it, this is life and death. I got to get to Jesus tonight. Oh, I know I believed on him, but I need a touch. I need to be at the wellspring. I need to be in his presence. You will do whatever it takes to get there. Just trying to get to Jesus. Oh, she got the attitude. You just try and stop me from getting to that altar. Let me tell you what, if we could get to the place of you just try to stop me one time, you just try to stop my dance. You just try to stop my shout. You just try to stop me from getting the Holy Ghost. You just try to shut down my worship and shut down my kids. You'll have a war on your hands like you've never had before because we ain't backing up, backing down, going back. We're here. We're right here at the feet of Jesus. And here I plan to stay. I will stay in his presence. I will have his presence. My children will have it. This church will have it. Just try and stop us one time. And that was her attitude. You just try to stop me. But I'm going to press through tonight. And I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. A determination to get what you need will always bring the results you need. He says, in Christ is our variety store. By one spirit, we are all baptized into one big variety store. I love that. He says, amen. Anything you have need of, he will supply. If I need healing, I'll take it. If I need joy, I'll take it. If I need victory, I'll take it. It's all hanging around in God's big variety store. And I am possessing and you have possession of everything in that variety store when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother, you talk about elbow room. Let's take over, he says. We need healing. There it is sitting there for you. Just reach over and get it. You might have to kick over a few things here to get it. Push through a few things to get it. But go ahead and take it. You might have to get a ladder and reach up for it. But God's got a ladder there if you're interested in getting it. I'm telling you tonight, if you're interested in getting it, it's here in the store tonight. If you're interested, it's here. You may have to kick over a few things. That's the word of the prophet. You may have to climb a ladder. You may have to go up a sycamore tree to get it. But it's in the building. If you desire it, you can have it. If you're willing to do whatever it takes to go beyond the press, it's waiting there for you tonight. And that brings me to this question. How desperate are you to see Jesus? How desperate are we? The problem with humanity is we usually only get desperate in desperate times. Instead of living a life of desperation. Desperate for more. Desperate for a touch. Desperate for our children even when it seems like they're doing good. 
we got to stay desperate. Stay on his hands. I find this very interesting. I'll throw this out there. This is my take. So, Brother Tim, if this is just stupid, you can stand up and correct it when I'm done. I don't mind. I, I lay my pride down, I promise. But look in Luke, the eighth chapter. This is just interesting as we're talking about being desperate and willing to go through the press. Luke 8, 19. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think we can get to Jesus because of who we are. Or who our daddy is or mama is or what church we go to. You'll get to him the same way everybody else got to him. It says, then came to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. It's interesting. We've seen that a bunch of times already. And every time when people were desperate enough, they got to him. Next verse says, and it was told him by certain which said, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. Listen to his response. And he answered and said unto them, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Unwilling to humble themselves down to press through, he had no time for them. In the same way Zacchaeus could have stood there wanting to see him and never would if he wasn't willing to do whatever it took. But his mother and brother stand there going, hey, you go tell Jesus, you know, it's kind of crowded and I'd rather speak to him out here. And he says, these are my mother. These are, these are my brothers because they were willing to get in the building. I'd like to ask them why they wasn't at the service 30 minutes early instead of showing up so late they had to press through the crowd anyway. I'm just saying. <laughs> but Tim, like that. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You shouldn't be so late. You got to have somebody find you a seat. <laughs> Moving on. What's <laughs> wrong Zacchaeus was willing to climb a tree. Some was willing to tear a roof off the place. She was willing to push through the crowd even though she was considered an unclean woman. Every one of them got their need met. Luke 19 and 5. We're going to kind of come back to this story. There's a few more things in here I really like about this story. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus... Messianic sign right there on display. He, he knows who you are. And let me tell you something. He already knew where Zacchaeus lived. He could have told him his address. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And we might get into this a minute later. But I love how verse 6 says. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, your response to Jesus has as much to do with the outcome of the story. As Jesus coming by you in the first place. I love here that says Jesus called him by name. He said Zacchaeus. You know this would be the last named individual before Jesus goes to Jerusalem. It's the last one that's recorded. No, no, surely there's a lot of people that accepted Jesus that aren't recorded. I get that. But this is the last one recorded before he goes to Jerusalem. And he calls him by name. 
And it thrills my heart when I look at this, that he knows his chosen by name. Because he's already written it down in his book a long time ago. He ain't meeting Zacchaeus for the first time. He ain't saying Zacchaeus' name for the first time. This ain't a chance encounter. This name had been written in the Lamb's book of life. And in that moment, Zacchaeus may have asked like Nathaniel did and said, Whence knowest thou me? And he could have said, Before you climbed the sycamore tree, I knew you. I knew you before you climbed the sycamore tree. Before you ever climbed up there, I knew you. I'm the one that placed the desire in your heart to come and see me. This way, don't get it twisted. Oh, Zacchaeus was really seeking God. No, that's not how this worked. How come he woke up that morning with the desire? How come he woke up that day and said, I got to get to Jesus? That was Jesus calling him before he ever stepped in his presence. That was me that put that desire in your heart, Zacchaeus. Before you climbed the sycamore tree, I knew you. Oh, come on, church tonight. Quit worrying. Am I going to make it? Is my name there? The desire in your heart, you didn't put it there yourself. He put the desire there. He's calling you. You're not here tonight looking for him. He drew you here. He called you to this truth. He called you to this message. It's him drawing you. And he knows your name. He knew you. And he claimed you. I love this. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. But before you ever sinned, before you ever walked out on God, before you ever did the first thing wrong, before you ever told your first lie, said your first curse word, smoked your first cigarette, looked at pornography for the first time, whatever you want to add to the list of sins, they can be many. Before any of that happened, you were his. He said, I formed thee, I named thee, I've called thee by name. You are mine. And I tell you tonight, Satan has no legal right to claim you because his claim predates Satan's claim. He claimed you before the fact foundation of the world so his claim legally stands up in the court of law he said i have called thee by name hallelujah you know satan tries to put a claim on you he tries to and that's what's so wonderful about realizing that you're a seed gene of god that's what's so wonderful about realizing that you are god's thoughts expressed that you are an attribute of god because when you realize that Oh, hang with me for a second. Then you realize that your name was written before the foundation of the world, brother Derek. And what that means is it's got a time stamp on it. There's a time stamp and that time stamp does away with the claim of the enemy. A time stamp can actually be used in court as evidence and it proves when transactions took place. Now the enemy comes and says, well, I see Aaron Oglesby. He gave his heart fully to you in the year 2013. He says, but I can look here in my book. And I know that in 1990, 1991, when he was just a kid, I had him all wrapped up, tied up, doing sinful things. So, so God, you got him in 2013, but I had him as far back as 1990. So my claim predates your claim by 23 years and he's mine because I claimed him first. I say, let's go to the records. 
and we look over in the records and it says according to the time stamp there was a transaction made there was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world I never sinned in the first place the transaction took place back then my name was written back then I am his I belong to him and he is mine oh when did you know me Lord before the foundation of the world I knew you I formed you I've called you by name hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord oh thank God for the time stamp hallelujah the enemy's claim is fraudulent I love how all these things are happening in Jericho. Yeah, I'm going bring, to bring this down to a close. Because you have the healing of Bartimaeus. You have the saving of Zacchaeus. And all these things. And if you'll recall, and we could go into a lot of detail about this, but we won't. We dealt with it in a service before. Jericho was a cursed city. It was a cursed place. Joshua 6.26, a portion of that says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and builded this city, Jericho. And it's interesting to look at it that way, that Jesus is in Jericho redeeming. And Jericho being under a curse, all the flesh there under a curse. And yet, you can take that right back to all flesh being under a curse. The curse of sin, the curse of death because of the fall. We know that humanity is under a curse. Families have cycles, or people will call them family curses. But when Jesus came to a cursed city, those that live under the curse were set free. They might have been living under a curse, but you don't understand my family history, and you don't understand this curse that's followed my family. You don't understand this curse. When Jesus comes, those that live under a curse are set free. Well, you don't understand my mama did this, this, and this, and I'm afraid that's going to follow me. When Jesus comes, those that have lived under a curse are set free free so what i'm saying is he walked through a curse how about you let him walk through your family history one time let him walk through your cursed flesh one time let him come down there and see what he'll redeem in your life and in your family and your home because when jesus walks through the cursed place those that live under the curse are redeemed and they're set free and and here he is jesus is doing the impossible and we're going to go into that in just a second in an impossible place but he was doing it for people who were willing to go beyond the press. Willing to press through, willing to fight, willing to cry out, willing to lay it all down. And as we said earlier, your response to Jesus has as much to do with the outcome of the story as him coming by your way. Look, he, the rich young ruler had an encounter with Jesus just as intimate, if not more so, than Zacchaeus's. What good did it do him? I'll get personal, and I, this isn't towards anyone, but think within yourself. You've had opportunity after opportunity at encounters with Jesus in this place. Much less in your personal private time. I'm talking about just in here. And I ask you to ask yourself, what good did it do me? Did I take advantage of the encounter? Did I respond 
the way I was supposed to respond to get all I needed out of that encounter. Your response to Jesus determines the outcome of your story. It says, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Notice the joy that he's expressing with this opportunity to be with Jesus versus the sadness which the rich young ruler had just one chapter before. And that's what's incredible about these two stories. And we're fixing to bring a little parallels. We bring these down. The rich young ruler is in Luke 18. And he left with sadness because of his opportunity. Whereas this man, who I done told y'all, is rich, rich. Leaves with joy. And I want you to watch as we go through the rest of this. Jesus never has to tell him what to do with his goods. What to do with his, what he needs to give up, what he needs to do. And it takes us back to this. The rich young ruler already knew what he was supposed to do. He was hoping to get a different answer. But Jesus didn't even have to tell this man because any man wanting to get right with God knew exactly what he needed to do. The same way within your heart and in your situations, you know what you need to do to get where you need to be with God. 19.7, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with the man that is a sinner. I don't have time to spend anything here, but if we get to the place that we have issue with Christ coming and touching a sinner, we need to shut the doors down and go home. Something ain't right. When we lose a, a, our mission for the lost and for calling out for lost souls and wanting to see people weep their way to Calvary, if it's been that long that we forgot what we're here to do, you know, the, the, the following scripture tells us that he came to seek and save that which was lost. That was the whole reason he was there. And if we're him and him expressed again, hello, seek and save that which was lost. Moving on to verse 8. It says, and Zacchaeus stood, notice now, unprompted, and said unto the Lord, now what he's telling is from this point forward, this is going to be my behavior. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, you might think, well, now, that's not fair. He told the rich young ruler he had to sell everything. How's he getting away with only selling half of it? Because he's rich, rich, remember? So now he's just going to be rich. <laughs> How's that fair? There's more to the story. I'm going to give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any Man, by false accusation, his entire fortune falls under this sentence right here. He kept back half from the poor to pay his debts. He said, I will restore that person fourfold. Every person that I took one dollar from, I'm going to give them four dollars. And you can actually find him. He's going back to the book of Exodus, I believe, 22, where, where the law stated that if you robbed a man of a sheep or killed a man of a sheep or something like that, you had to repay that man four sheep. And so he's saying, I'm going to repay four. four. I love his repentance. Jesus doesn't, have to, he doesn't even say, sell what you got, restore your debts. Your money's the problem. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to take care of this right now. He says, I'm going to pay all these people. But look, that's a lot of people because everything he had, he'd robbed from people. He says, I'm going to restore fourfold. That's why he didn't give it all to the poor. Verse 9 says, after this statement, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so, for so much as he is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save 
that which was lost. It's so powerful to me that in the closing moments of time, the closing moments here of the Jewish dispensation, because that's when this is taking place, in the final days and moments of his life, he's saving. He's reaching out. One more opportunity at grace. Don't tell me mercy's over. Don't tell me grace is over. This example right here tells me that it's not over. Don't give up on your sons and daughters. Here, right here, right here, the chiefest of sinners. And he's reaching out at the last moment. Not only saving, but he's saving those, and listen to me, that were impossible to save. Why are you, why are you saying that so strongly? Because some of you believe your child is impossible to to save you may not admit that but you look at their situation sometimes you don't even pray for them because you feel like what's going on and you just speak negativity and in your heart you feel like it's impossible i'll tell you that it was impossible for zacchaeus let's find out how luke 18 18 going back to the rich young ruler and a certain ruler asked him saying good master what shall i do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good to save one that is God. I'm going to skip down to verse 23. It says, and when he heard this, he was very sorrowful because Jesus told him to sell everything. For he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, we can get into what this means, what that means, but I'll tell you that whatever you think it means, it meant impossible. Because here's what the disciples said. And they that heard it said, who then can be saved? They said, then no one can be saved. So we can take whatever we think it means, but to me, it's, I'm just going to take it for what it says. A rich man going into heaven, harder to enter into than a camel through the eye of a needle. So Zacchaeus, who was rich, rich, was impossible, impossible. But the next verse says, and he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. He speaks impossibility. And then he says, but look what happens, Brother Joe, when you take an impossible equation and add Jesus into that equation. Impossible suddenly equals possible. He says, hey, this is impossible. Now, next chapter, watch me do it. Oh, it's impossible to be healed. Watch me do it. It's impossible for my son. Watch me do it. It's impossible for my daughter. Watch me do it. It's just beyond the press. It's just beyond the press. If you're willing to keep pushing, keep going. Jesus is there. Salvation is there. Oh, it's impossible. Watch me do the impossible. Hallelujah. He's an impossible God doing impossible things. Hallelujah. You can stay on your feet with me. Musicians, you can come. Oh, you think it's too late for your child? Impossible. In a cursed city. He says, watch me save Zacchaeus. This day, I'm coming to your house. Oh, is there somebody that says, Lord, I need to see you tonight. Come to my house. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll push through and do whatever, it, whatever I have to do. Church, there's always going to be hindrances. 
And there's always going to be those that turn around because of it. But there's always going to be those willing to say, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to get to Jesus. No matter what it takes, I'm pushing past every hindering spirit. I'm not going to be hindered in my walk. I'm not going to have hindering spirits in my home. I'm not going to be hindered in my worship. He can come home with you tonight. He's here tonight if you're willing to do whatever it takes. If you're willing to push through and say, I'm not going to be stopped. Brother Brown says, you pick up the sword, see? Now, of course, you've got a hindrance. You've got something that's going to duel against you. That devil, that disease, that affliction. But when you strike the tip of sword with that devil yonder and say, it's thus saith the Lord. He revealed it to me. I'm healed. Oh, my. Your faith don't have any hindrances then. I believe I'm looking at a people that faith has been restored. Faith turned back to where all things are possible. Faith turned back to where we say, Lord, have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my home. Have your way in this church. And Lord, if there's any part of me not surrendered, Lord, Lord, I want to give it to you tonight. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get into your presence. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, Lord, no matter what people say, no matter what people think. Oh, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. Are you willing to do a little more? Are you willing to go a little further? Are you willing to lay a little bit more of yourself down tonight? Listen, you may have to push through things I'd never understand. You may have to push through more than anyone else. Somebody's going to carry that burden. Somebody's going to push through more than anybody else. But you can do it. Jesus is just beyond the press. I don't doubt that your road is hard. I don't doubt you've got a lot of hindrances. But let me reiterate a promise that I said to you earlier. If you'll push through, if you'll go beyond the press, he will meet your need. He will meet you every time. He never failed. The only ones that I saw him turn away tonight were those that wasn't willing to push through. Those that said, Jesus, come meet me on my terms. Come meet me over here. I don't know, maybe you got the Holy Ghost and you just need more. It's just beyond the press tonight. Maybe you need a touch in your home, a touch in your marriage, a touch in your spirit, depression. It's just beyond the press. Maybe you've been backslidden. Maybe you hadn't been where you need to be. Y'all got time for a little story? It's only take a second. Backsliders, we need you. We need you. We need you to come back and take your place and hold the line with us. We got a big battles coming ahead. The last final battles, we need every man we can get on the line. Sword in hand, musket. In 1863, right before the Battle of Gettysburg, there was a man by the name of Joshua Chamberlain who was in charge of the 20th Maine. And he didn't know Gettysburg was fixing to happen. It was a couple days before the battle and he was delivered 120 deserters. I actually wrote it down one time as I was just writing some things about him. And I wrote down 120 that saved the nation. They were deserters. They had quit on the army. They had walked away. They had turned their backs. They were no longer fighting. They were good men. But they felt like we fought long enough. We've been wounded enough. We've lost enough comrades. What's this war all about? Is it ever going to end? And they just said, we're not fighting no more. 
we're not fighting no more. And they all agreed not to fight anymore. And so they were taken as mutineers, traitors. And they were, because the armies were amassed and they didn't have time to prosecute them, those kind of things. And they brought them to Joshua Chamberlain. They said, we need you to guard these men because they're main men. He said, we give you full authority if they try to leave to shoot them dead on the spot. So he comes and he talks to them. And he says, I've been given authority to shoot you. But y'all are main men. You know I'd never do that. Message believers, can we have that attitude tonight? Sometimes the mutineers, we want to throw stuff and shoot. Those are believers. I ain't going to shoot at them. I need them back. He talks to them. He says, I tell you what. He says, you're more than welcome not to fight and you'll have a fair trial when this is all over. I don't want to stand trial when this is all over like that. He says, but I tell you what. If you'll willing to pick that musket up again I'll give it back to you he says I feel like there's some big battles in the days ahead and I feel like that if you'd be willing to stand up right now and take up arms with us again all will be forgiven all your backsliding all your wondering all your falling down he says all that will be forgiven 114 out of the 120 took him up on the spot because they could follow a man like that. And then three days later at the Battle of Little Round Top, the other six redeemed themselves too. And that was the turning point of the whole war as the, the Union line began to break. And they began to break. And they would have. And the entire war would have been lost if it wouldn't have been for the extra strength of 120 backsliders that came back and picked up arms again because somebody just said, Come on back. No hard feelings. Jesus saying, come on back. We got some big battles up ahead. I don't know what's coming around the curb, but there's some big ones coming. The final one's coming. The battle to win all battles. And this may not even be for those in this church. If you're, if you're not backslidden, God bless you. I'm glad. <laughs> but whoever's hearing this, I'm saying, we need you. We want you. Come on back. All's forgiven. You ain't got to worry about me anyway. It's him. And he's saying, all's forgiven. Just pick your sword up one more time. Get back in the battle one more time. Hold the line with us one more time because the final attack's coming. And I want to remind him, we're the winners. We're the winners. So tonight, join the winning side. Tonight, get to the other side of the press. Tonight, whatever your need is, get to Jesus. And I promise you, he'll meet your need there.